0: Welcome to Work is Calling, where we will learn the experiences and insights of business leaders who see their careers as a calling from God. What is important about seeing your career as a calling? Work is fulfilling whenever we sense success, but let's face it, success can and usually is fleeting. What if, instead of targeting success, we seek fulfillment? A sense of calling makes serving God your purpose. That shift can actually lead you to a sense of fulfillment regardless of success. Let's listen to the stories of those who have made the shift and have experienced this.
1: Well, welcome to Work is Calling. My name is Wayne Kuna, the founder and president of Soul Priority, a ministry that coaches women and men in business how to transform their careers and workplaces through biblical principles. Today's guest is a long time, long time friend of mine, Alex Pyrus, and he serves as currently serves as a chaplain with Hockey Ministries International. Alex, welcome aboard. Yeah, thanks, Wayne. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thanks for being with us. So uh, let's find out a little bit about you. I mean, uh, I'd love to have the people who are listening to this uh, get to know you a little bit. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself uh, to give our listeners an introduction. Um, You know, tell us about you and your family.
2: Okay, Uh, I've been married very happily uh, to Debbie, uh, my number one partner, my only partner. And we've, uh, we've been married for 35 years. And um, yeah, we have three children. We have Samantha, she's 38. Misty, she's 33. And BJ, he's 31. And Misty um, has a baby boy who's uh, quite a character. And uh, BJ has a baby girl. And her name is Fern. Um, so they're all married. Sam's married, uh, no children. She's the oldest, but she had, we have two grand dogs with them. <laughs> so, um, let's see. It says, how would I describe myself here? Um, intense, very intense, uh, motivated, um, the presence. Debbie calls me the presence. She says, when I walk into a room of people, uh, I'm the presence there. So, you know, just because I think my aggressiveness and everything—you um, know, my some of my pastimes are uh, sports, athletically oriented, and uh, everything. You know, Debbie says I am very physical, and and that would be a good way to describe me. I've been very gifted. I know in athletics they don't, you know, they have measurements of. You know, people that are geniuses in music and other places. Well, they don't talk about sports that way, but I mean. Now,
1: you you probably should let our people know that uh, you weren't a floor gymnast as an athlete. That they should know where that aggressiveness comes from. And not that they may not be aggressive, but what was the sport that you uh, excelled in?
2: Well, hockey. It turned out to be pro hockey, but I also played baseball, Um, (laughs) uh, ran track, And, um, yeah, I did mostly athletic things. I love watching athletic events because I like seeing, you know, things that other people can't do that well. I mean, I love pitching. I mean, I played little league and I played right through high school and I mean, pitchers, I mean, they can really, when they're hot, they're just, I mean, really got control of that ball, and you just see it drop, you know, or go wide or whatever. I mean, it's it's exciting to watch.
1: It's kind of like hockey when you have uh, all of a sudden a goalie that's on. It's like you don't have to be really good when he's great.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you know, a good goaltender, it it not only it builds confidence in the team that has them, and the other team starts to hold their sticks a little bit tighter, and you can't hit those corners because he's always there and you think, okay, what am I going to do to beat him? Um, And so you usually
1: land up doing something extra that's wrong. Yeah. So uh, what's, do you have a bucket list? Do you have some things that uh, you haven't yet done that you're, wow, I would like to experience that or do that or anything like that?
2: Um, I've already done it. Um, Actually this past spring we went to San Antonio and Uh, my son-in-law and my son were there with me and we drove to this, uh, I guess it's called Ox Ranch. I drove a Sherman tank. (laughs) It was fun. I mean, we got to take, you know, we shot one seventy-six millimeter and, uh, I have the shell at home. I've got the shell at home and it's not an explosive round, but you know, we shot some guns and stuff and it's, it's guy stuff, things that go boom and bang. Yeah. And we kind of love that stuff.
1: So if you could change something, uh what would you change? What would it be? Nothing. Nothing?
2: Nothing because God has worked through it. And I just just recently read a um a devotion on, you know, if if we only got what we wanted, we'd only have about 50% of or 25% of what God wants us to be. So he takes us through all these things that help develop us more for what He wants us to be, and that's to be more like Christ.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, as long as you made the transition over to some spiritual things, let me ask you some uh, other things in that area. Do you have a life verse uh, from the Bible, or is there a favorite Bible story or parable that kind of resonates with you? And you're like, yeah, you know this this yeah this is means something to me.
2: Well, I'll give you, I have two life verses. Uh, for the longest time, it was John fourteen six. Jesus is the way, the life, and the truth. No one gets to the Father except through him. But I've added one to that because um, Galatians six fourteen is so good. You know, far be it from me to boast in anything but the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ by which I am dead to the world, and the world is dead to me. I I recite that in my own mind because, you know, being from an athletic background, we're always looking at stats and how well am I doing, you know, and things like that. So that verse kind of keeps me grounded very well. And my favorite parable, um, it's the prodigal son, which Tim Keller did a book, Yeah, yeah and he called it the prodigal God, and it just explains so well because... I think most people read it the way I was reading it, where, okay, I don't really need God fully because I'm doing a lot of good stuff. But the way Keller explains it is, you know, even the, it's actually the good son that stuck around and didn't do anything. He's actually just as sinful as the other one. Yeah. And yeah. he doesn't go into the party. Yeah. Which means you get locked out. So that book is, uh, that parable has been very, very good in my life.
1: So is there a character in Scripture other than Jesus that uh, you resonate with that you're like, either I'm like that or I'm not like that, or, wow, I can learn from that person's life?
2: Yeah, David.
1: Mm. Man, when he saw
2: Bathsheba, I relate to that. Mm. I think you do too, Wayne. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes you just see a woman and you got to turn away because she's just beautiful. Um, and, you know, our wives are what needs to be beautiful and we need to keep the compliments for them. But I mean, these women are around and, um, you know, and I, and we see David where he just failed, you know, failed miserably, but he was a man of God always and admitted his sin. And that's what we have to do. Admit our sins and know that we're not perfect. And not only that, I, I really respect David. You know, I I think about it. And I think when he had that chance to, uh, to kill Saul. here's a guy that's really bugging him, and he does nothing
0: hmm
1: and that's a huge lesson for us so let me ask you about the arts <clears throat> I know you could tell a lot from you know either movies that people watch or the music they listen to um let's let's uh look at uh which one would you like to talk about music uh, arts uh, what what's some of your faves did you have them uh well music. Um,
2: I do like music a lot um, right now I've been listening to Elevation Worship uh, and Maverick City music and my favorite song there and it's just it's long it's about 10 minutes long but it's gyra that's what it's called And and here's a line I'll just quote a line from it it says I wasn't holding you up so there is nothing I can do to let you down and it's so good and just talks about God's love for us and that God would do anything for us to get us and to have us because he wants to be with us for eternity. So that, um, yeah, that is my favorite song. And gyra
1: right is one of God's names,
2: isn't it? It it's is. Jehovah Jaira. Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And uh, do you get into any movies at all or no?
2: Um, yeah, occasionally. Um, I watch, well, my top movie of all time, I wa- Debbie and I have watched it many times. In fact, I even did something sacrilegious. I ordered a copy that was colorized. And, you know, these people, they go, it's got to be black and white. You know, it's an original. And I wanted to see what the colors were. Yeah, so yeah. I ordered that. And actually, Debbie doesn't like the colorized version. She likes the black and white.
1: What What is it? The movie? It,
2: Casablanca
1: oh Casablanca wow yeah
2: yeah. it's just some great lines in that movie and it's just uh fun to watch and just as the story plays out and and I I like history World War II history yeah Uh, yeah my dad actually fought for Rommel um and I didn't you know exactly know that but um just from him talking about it and you know he never said he was in Africa um, fighting with Rommel, but, um, he did talk about frying eggs on a tank. Mm -hmm. And I just recently saw a, um, a documentary where they're showing German soldiers frying up eggs on a tank. And I've always thought that I always thought, well, where would you be able to fry eggs? Where would it be hot enough? North Africa. Yeah. That's the place. Mm -hmm. So I- interesting about his story, though he—I guess Rommel left, and the Allies started to uh, started to win. Um, and uh, oops, sorry about that <laughs> earthquake. Uh, yeah, I'm getting the buzz off my phone. So, uh, but anyway, the Allies were starting to win, and my dad, being there, wanted to get out of there. So he used to smoke three packs a day and unfiltered cigarettes. He dipped his cigarette in motor oil, and smoked it. Which caused him to just cough and cough and cough, and the doctors couldn't figure out, you know, what was going on. So they sent him back to Berlin, and he went to the hospital in Berlin, got out of North Africa, which we know, you know, the Germans lost.
1: Now this is amazing because how long have I known you? <laughs> uh, I don't know about
2: five minutes. No, <laughs> probably oh, twenty years at least. At least. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah,
1: I've never heard that story before. That's incredible.
2: Yeah. Well, there's lots of things. <clears throat> I mean, we don't we don't talk about you know all the little things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They're, they're back there. They're back there in the recesses of our minds.
1: So, so. let me let me ask you about your heart. Um, what brings tears of joy to your eyes? Uh, you know, I know you're an emotional guy, or maybe what brings uh, real tears of sadness to you? You know, either or both, either one.
2: Um. Well. Both. Um. Just our culture right Mm. now i'm i'm really really sad about the lies that are going on and and i mean gender and how people are you know people are just afraid you know um and they don't want to they're afraid to tell the truth um and all these gender things that are going on it just just makes me very very sad Mm. you know Mm. and things that bring tears in my eyes i mean when i'm watching a movie and i see a tender moment of something that happened to somebody, it, it, it just brings tears to my eyes. And, you know, that series, we just started watching it, Debbie and I, because she didn't like it in the beginning. But we've kind of agonized through the first two, and that, those are the two that Debbie didn't like. And we've watched it a little bit more. And I really, really love the humanity that they show in Jesus, mm-hmm. and that brings tears to my eyes. The mm-hmm. way he handles people, mm-hmm. and the way he—hey, he parties, he dances. Yeah, yeah. you know, he—he's uh, at the feast. He does all the things that just a friend would do.
1: No, you're talking about The Chosen, is that yes, what it is? Yeah. Yes, yes, okay.
2: that's the series.
1: Yeah, well, you know, thanks a lot for letting us peek into that window of your home and your heart. Uh, we're gonna take a little break right now, find out a little bit uh, about uh, the origins of uh, Work Is Calling, and we'll get back and we'll talk about Work Is Calling.
0: Work Is Calling is a ministry of soul priority. That coaches women and men of faith to transform their careers and workplaces with biblical principles and the book, Work in the Light, that highlights why God created work, shepherd leadership, workplace culture, and the vital importance of a singular God priority. You can find out more about Soul Priority at www.soul-priority.org. That's www. ThoughtSoul-Priority.org. Now, back to today's podcast.
1: Hey, well, welcome back, everyone. We're sitting here with Alex Pyrus, and uh, we're just about to learn how and why he sees work as a calling. Uh, You know, not just a job, uh, but actually something that uh, uh, God has called him to, uh, to fulfill his plan and his purpose in his life. So, uh, Alex, you know, we just mentioned briefly, um, you know, the hockey thing, but uh, that's not originally where you started. Tell us a little bit about your, your career path. Um, well, you know,
2: I, um, as a kid, I grew up in Toronto. And like I said, I did a lot of different sports, um, got a scholarship to Notre Dame, came down to the U.S. and, and then played uh, pro hockey, played in the NHL. Not really long, uh, I'm, my pro career was five years, and at that time, God was, he was like the genie, you know? When I wasn't scoring, I'd go to church, uh, grew up in the Orthodox Church, switched over to the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church, and God was the guy that provided for me all the time, and uh, he wasn't the personal God that I met later. And and actually something, you know, something about hockey, um, I actually went to a relaxation book because, you know, being in the NHL, um, even now through my whole life, I'm 67 now, being in the NHL was the most stressful thing ever in my life. It was just hard to sleep. You were always worried, worried about somebody taking your head off sometimes, worried about, you know, do I have to fight this guy you know, not scoring goals. I mean, there are so many things there that, that just throw you off. And uh, so I experimented with some relaxation things to try to relax. And then finally, I wasn't in the NHL. So uh, I transitioned into becoming, uh, learning about being a floor trader on the Chicago Board of Options Exchange and um, learned how to do that, became very successful Um, and the success led me to to think and and start looking for other things. And so I came to the floor in 1981 and worked as a clerk for a little while, started trading in 1982, which is very fast, fast fast-track, started to become successful doing it, and um, asked a girl to marry me, and she turned me down. I had dated her for five years, and that led me to God. And uh, became a Christian in 1985. Um, traded and was still very, very successful trading. And um, you know, it was almost like you're making a lot of money and you think, okay, is this it? Is this all that life is about? You know, here I have a, a life of fame and money, and then I transition into a life of more money, and uh, and it was it started to get empty. So when I became a Christian, I, I realized made a deal with God. He says, God, you know, I, I know I've got to do something else, but for the time being, I'm going to work here. I'm going to start a Bible study, which I did every Thursday night. And every Wednesday, I did a prayer group over lunch. And I would hand out a, I, a lot of people are stuck at their stations on the exchange. So I would do a handout of what we were praying about and what we were studying over lunch. And so um, that led to me just, Not being motivated. I mean, if you're not motivated um, in anything, and I wasn't motivated at trading anymore, and I was always looking for more opportunities to witness and to talk to people about Jesus. That was really on my heart. So um, the transition was Promise Keepers was going on at that time, and uh, Debbie and I went to church, and it was a missions conference, and I felt God tapping me on the shoulder and saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to work full-time for me now. And so I came out and and, uh, talked to Debbie, told her as we were going through the parking lot and said I wanted to be a missionary. And she goes, where? And I go, I don't know, Africa, South America. And she goes, he's not calling me yet. So I said, great, I'll just have everybody pray for you and you tell me uh, where I need to be. And so um, as we went along, she came running to me after about six months, and she goes, Alex, I've got the perfect ministry for you. And she goes, I heard about this ho- thing, Hockey Ministries. And I go, hockey? That's not a ministry. Keep looking. <laughs> <laughs> and so she, she went kind of you know, depressed a little bit and walked away, and as we looked into it, you know, God was uh, turning us towards Hockey Ministries. And in fact, I called Hockey Ministries, the main number, and it was 8 o'clock at night. Nobody was supposed to answer the phone. Who do I get? The president. He was in a boring accounting meeting <laughs> at work. And we talked. And he goes, where have you been hiding? We've been looking for guys like you to go in the ministry. So
1: so uh, that's a great background setup story. All those three transitions uh, it's kind of fun that we we have that in common with each other that our career path w- was was diverse. So, uh, so uh, to me, uh, a calling is is kind of like a divine assignment. You know, how how do you define y- your calling? I mean, wh- what is a calling? What would you tell somebody about a calling? And you know, I mean, you obviously expressed ministry while you were on the floor trading and now you're, you know, doing ministry as you meet with hockey players around the country and even sometimes around the world. So, I mean, what would you tell somebody about a calling? Well, a calling is
2: where, you know, God really wants you to be. And I know that's that's a big problem with people knowing, okay, what is my calling? And it was good because I had asked Debbie to pray about it. Or I, I had people pray for Debbie because if she showed me what it was, I knew it was coming from God, mm-hmm. that it wasn't just me. Um, I had left hockey at 26. That's way too young to leave. I mean, I had at least another four or five years, uh, but I wasn't in the NHL. And so the only person that could really, well, God can put me back into hockey, but it, it was a disconnect. I didn't, uh, I didn't know at all, you know. Didn't even think of hockey as being a missions field, but it is. It's a huge missions field, and I've got the background. I mean, hockey. I could spot when I go into the rink. I could show you exactly where the scouts are because I know where they sit. But they dress in a in a certain way, and I know Wayne. You've had a little bit of experience with your with your grandson in that. I mean, hockey people act like hockey people. You see them. It's a whole culture, vernacular, and everything else. And um, being and doing that uh, gives me a little leg up on the guys. I help them understand what the gospel is using hockey examples.
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, You know, what I'd like to hear from you, and this is kind of a fun time, I'd like to hear you know, evidence of, you know, what were some of the, uh, the proofs that, uh, you saw that work was actually your calling? How did you see God working in that both on the floor and then also now that you, you know, God has called you to, uh, set aside the, the business side of things and work strictly in, um, discipling and telling people about Christ?
2: Well, I knew, I mean, when you read books and things like that, people tell you, you know, what are we supposed to be doing as, as Christians? We're not supposed to be shoving things down people's throats, but we need to be available. Um, what I did when I was a trader, I let people know I was a born-again Christian. And I knew, and then I stopped talking about it because then it would be like hounding them. And people would come to me. People going through hard times. People come to Bible, to Bible studies because they lost a lot of money and they, you know, they needed something else. They weren't coming for God. they were wondering whether, okay, what did I do wrong, you know, and and why am I losing money? Why are things happening like that? So, um, it's you know, you you put out your, you know, you put it out there and you say, hey, I'm a born again Christian, and then you, you know, people will come to you with questions and um, they'll want to talk. They'll want to know, a lot of people don't know who God is, you know, and that's what we do. We tell them, you know, who God is, what, I mean, we mistake, we think that it's a zero sum game. I've got to do this so God will bless me or I've got, you know, why is God doing these bad things to me? You know, Mm, I'm a good taxpayer. Yeah, yeah. You know, I deserve to be treated better because I've been following God. I've read my Bible. I go to church. That's just a Pharisee.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you got a story? Um, you know, of course, without names or something like that. Of just seeing God work in and through you to bring transformation around you or in another person. You know the the latest
2: story was um, I was doing chapels with six teams, and. I present the gospel.
1: Is it okay to say what teams you, you've worked with? Is that okay? Sure, yeah. sure. Go ahead and sure. t- to list them first. Uh,
2: the Blackhawks, the Chicago Steel, Junior A team, um, Cedar Rapids, uh, USHL, Junior A team, Waterloo, another Junior A team, Muskegon, another Junior A team, and Penn State, a college team. So I would travel. I try to do, present the gospel. I give them the gospel every time. I mean, every one of my Bible studies or chapels are, you know, they, they focus on Jesus and what he's done for us. But I do a more intense one right at the end of the year. And I'd already done four of the teams and I had two left. I had Waterloo and Cedar Rapids. And um, Cedar Rapids is an interesting story um, because they are a totally new team. Uh, new team from a from the perspective of the players, they took a year off because their their rink was uh, damaged mm-hmm. in a bad storm, so they took the year off. So every player was new, and what happens? And this is like any place. I mean, there's businesses, there's hockey teams, there's a culture that builds up, and sometimes that culture is anti-Bible, mm-hmm. you know, or anti-Gospel, or anti anti God you know yeah and so um this was a full team that was all new to it and the coach he loves when i come in i do a presentation to the whole team show a a video of where i'm getting beat up (laughs) and that attracts them they love that you're talking
1: about an ice right (laughs) yeah oh yeah
2: yeah on the ice getting beat up and so anyway this team great guys i love doing my chapels with them all year long and um, just uh, a a focus and bring it right to the point. I gave them the gospel, and then I asked, does anybody want to pray with me to receive Christ? There were eight people at that chapel. One new person, he was new on the team, first time he ever came to a chapel, and they all wanted to pray and receive Christ. Wow. And we prayed together. That's never happened in 25 years since I've been doing this. But I know... It's all the glory to God. I think yeah. about it and I think, oh, you know, who am I? I'm just a clay pot. I you know, it's not me. It's God working on their hearts and preparing their hearts for this.
1: So, yeah. 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 Wow, that that's those are amazing stories. I I remember some of the prayer preparation that we would do. Maybe just t- talk about some of the prayer walks that we've done.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah, we've known each other for a long time. We've uh talked about our sins. Um, I've had less than you uh, every time. No, <laughs> no. We've you know we talk about our sins, and I remember uh, Alps. You know, we yeah. used to do that and yeah. go through our sins and and things. Uh, and it, it was great. It was great because it kept us accountable. I think every man needs somebody to be accountable to, and somebody that's not going to go talking about stuff to other people. Yeah, yeah, and where you keep things kind of private, and and that that's something that's been really good, and and we've had we've had some good fights too, disagreements, but we've always worked them out, and that's because Jesus is at the center yeah, of yeah. our relationship.
1: Yeah, those those are really uh, um, sometimes painful, but really needful times when we've kind of engaged one another and uh just for all you listening uh i am not an enforcer in hockey i am a wuss (laughs) so my life was always in danger if alex got upset with me uh but you know i i actually wasn't referring to that but i'm glad you talked about it because it's really an important part of uh i think of any follower christ's life is to be in some kind of a, a, a accountability discipleship relationship but um I was talking about some of the times we went around the stadium and prayed. Yeah, yeah,
2: no, that was good. That was really good because that, well, that was the main focus of our meetings a lot of times because, um, you know, we can't change some things, but God can change them and God can work through them. And, um, you know, one thing that I remember we, you know, with you even, I mean, we prayed, you were all set. To start up your little storefront uh, cafe. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, God calls you and says, Nope, nope, that's not the place. Yeah. <laughs> you were almost, you, you were going through the final things of that. Yeah, and yeah. then all of a sudden, you become a pastor.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, so yeah. that was really cool. Yeah. That was, that was a pretty, okay, we're making a left here. If we're not making a right. <laughs> that was pretty good. I appreciated that. That was uh, an exciting prayer time. I remember one of the prayers was, God, if this isn't your plan, blow it up and I'm like that wasn't very nice. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, and you know, Courtney, Courtney was uh a lot of prayer went into yeah, that. I mean, yeah. we didn't know. I mean, she could have died.
1: Yeah, it was You know, yeah, Courtney sickness. is uh, my daughter, uh, uh adult daughter. She developed an autoimmune disease that nearly took her life right after she gave birth to her first first little guy. Well, let me ask you a couple other questions here. Um do you get any pushback for, you know, when you kind of live your life saying, hey, you know, I just want you to know I'm a born-again Christian? I mean, you know, is there pushback? If there is, what does it look like? Yeah.
2: You know, it used to be when we when I first started hockey ministries, um, you know, it it, it happened um that, you know, players or coaches, you know, just didn't want to surround. And you could see those guys. They, yeah. you know, they had an opinion about you. But an interesting story, a guy, um, Dan, who I played hockey with, and um, I didn't always hear it because I think because of that presence, people were a little afraid to say something to my face. Yeah. But Dan was sitting there, and he told me this story. He was in the dressing room, and this was in Oak Park, and all the guys are, like, ripping on me because I'm so out there with Christ. Yeah. You know, like I, you whenever I teach a lesson or anything, I ask the guys if they want to pray or whatever, and I'm talking about God all the time, and they're ripping me in the dressing room, and Dan is just listening to that. He shared it with me, and, you know, he cried. He said, Mm. and I'm a Christian, and I didn't say anything Mm. in Mm. your defense, you know, and so that's, that's what, you know, what I found out about it, because I'm pretty bold. I mean, I'm bold on Debbie you know, it's it's like John Wayne says, you know, damn the torpedoes. I'm going through. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the way I've lived my life most of the time is damn the torpedoes or damn the criticism. Let's go. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah. You know.
1: So uh, what fuels you to continue, continue you know, whether it's um, crickets, you know, there's just nothing, no response or pushback. You know, I mean, that's got to be the most consistent response, as opposed to eight guys saying, "I want to pray to accept Christ as my Savior." So, what is it that? How do you keep yourself fueled to engage your career as a calling? You know, um, if we if we're
2: talking about chapels, um, usually I do an introductory chapel, and you know, it's it's that if we go back to that calling. I don't I don't present my chapels like a guy normally would because we hire guys that not they work for the ministry and um you know they ha- they go by the list you know this is what we do with chapels when I go in I go okay I've played in the NHL I show them the video me getting beat up I also have real short clips of me scoring too yeah and I show them that that engages the guys yeah right away I have credibility. So if I'm talking about Jesus, then I've got the credibility behind it that gives me an open door and allows me to talk about that. And when I do it, I mean, there's some real brutal things that happen in hockey. And so what I'm doing is I'm building relationship with these guys and then they go, Well yeah, you know, I've got I kinda have an interest in God. This guy's pretty good. I I think I'll go to one of his chapels and listen. And De- Debbie makes this awesome chocolate chip cream cheese. And I think they come sometimes because they're hungry, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and sure. they love the cream cheese and bagels yeah, yeah. and the drinks. So um just those types of things um has just given me a confidence. Yeah. In in doing, you know
1: in doing this ministry. Are there spiritual disciplines that you engage to fuel yourself?
2: Absolutely. Read the Bible every day uh, or a devotion every day. Pray every day. My my prayer has is, is gone differently. I think our, our tendency is, is to pray for things, supplication for healing, for all these things. But um, now I try every day just to spend time and just to worship him you know, just to be centered on, on him because he's beautiful because he's got everything. He owns everything. And I love what, uh, Keller once said, he said, if you saw your glorified self in heaven, you'd be tempted to worship yourself because of Christ's beauty and glory working through you or living through you.
1: Yeah. 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 Thanks. Um, that 's an interesting picture that uh, Tim Keller paints there, um, so you get a guy who or a woman, and they 're they 're in a career and they work well and they work hard and stuff you know um, and they're doing they 're good at what they do and they excel at what they do, and they get better at what they do, but they don 't see their work as a calling, and then you got someone else who, like them, you know does what they do and do it well and but they see a, their work as a calling. What's the? Is there a benefit of also seeing your your career as a calling as opposed to the person who doesn't see that that way?
2: You know, God loves work. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm a street sweeper, I got to be the best possible street sweeper I could be, and because that's honoring to God. Yeah. And when people see that, they're going to be attracted to you, and he, Have to be bold, you know. Ask them about, you know, what do they believe? Because people will share that with you. Don't, you know, I I think one of the problems is we're trying to shove things down people's throats. Yeah. And, you know, a thing about work as a calling, some of us are doing things we just, it's not us. Mm. We struggle with those things because it's just not us. So if we listen to God, he will he will point us and take us in that right direction. I love when uh when Jesus is talking to Peter when he was resurrected and Peter goes to about John, he goes, "What about him?" Yeah, yeah. And he goes, "Mind your own business" kind of. <laughs> Those aren't the exact words, but yeah, yeah. I have my plan for him and I've got my plan for you. Yeah. You know. And that's what I I think when we find God's plan for us, it always includes the gospel because that's gotta be the greatest thing. We're all gonna die. Yeah. We're all gonna die. And and my biggest sadness, I've got a good friend who's an atheist, grew up in Catholic schools and everything, and he just doesn't see it.
1: Yeah.
2: And he's yeah. a Pharisee. A great Pharisee, which I was
1: too. when you say that, what do you mean by that? Because some people may not understand the term Pharisee.
2: Well there's I I like to explain it um there's big G God, that's the only God. Yeah. Little G God is anything we chase after and that becomes our God. Yeah. And so we worship that, we work for that little god, but that little god will destroy us eventually mm-hmm. because we all die, we all fail, we all have a a point flash in the pan point where we may have been the best, but then we become a little bit worse, a little bit worse. And sometimes, you know, if that's our God, that's the thing. I mean, money can be a big God. yeah. And when a market crash happens, people jump out the window. Yeah, They're Pharisees. That was their God. All the money they made, that was God. And when their God's destroyed, they're destroyed.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, okay. Uh, Let me take you to the whole idea of Worship. I know there's some songs that that uh, you know we off, often consider song as worship. But uh, can you talk to a little bit as work is calling? Were you you know you kind of alluded to it with the sweeper. But what is? Do you think that work can be a worshipful to to God? Uh, if so, how? You know, is is work worship? Can it be worshipful?
2: Yeah, God worked you know, God worked six days, took the seventh day off. And <laughs> so he showed us. Yeah. Um, and he created work for us to, uh, you know, to give us something to do with our hands. I mean, he's, uh, he's gifted us all to do something. And the problem in our culture is we're always looking at what somebody else is doing. And so we don't do the best we can at the job that we're doing because we're always looking for something else. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think that's a trap. And, and God loves work. I mean, He's a working God. Yeah. And so, you know, we can, I mean, any job, well, <laughs> other than prostitution or something like that. Yeah, legal things, things that God wants us to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, um, they become a good thing for God.
1: Yeah. And start him with yeah yeah, yeah, that's good, um let me uh, ask you one last question and i'm gonna I'm gonna cut you loose free to just jump on whatever insight that you have that you'd like to share with us, but the last thing I'd like to ask you uh do you run across other people that see work as calling, or did you collaborate with anybody when you're in the uh, on the floor um or is it kind of a lonely <laughs> a lonely place? you know you don't see other people that see work as calling, and you're kind of on your own What's your experience?
2: You know it's um actually, you're the one that brought that up for me and 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 it all makes sense. It makes sense that God has gifted us. We can't just sit around and do nothing. I mean we're all work oriented. I mean, I think, but it it depends. I mean, for some people, work is talking, speaking, writing. Um, You know, when I go to a party, I'd much rather be washing dishes than talking to everybody because I don't want to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm not gifted in in that area. I would rather, you know, do something, set tables, do something with my hands because let's face it, I mean, your hands, they're awkward. Go up on a stage And, you know, what do you do with your hands? (laughs) You got to do something with them because they're just there sticking out. So, but the work is a, as a calling. I think every person's job is important. Um, You know, we just put more value on some jobs and what do we do? We give them more money, but every job is important. You know, I mean, if the garbage man doesn't pick up the garbage, it gets pretty stinky after a little while and so that job is very important you know
1: yeah yeah and we don't look at it that way though yeah yeah well um so i've been keeping you kind of at the blue line a lot um not letting you get in uh beyond our conversation and, and the focus that we have with work is calling but i'm going to give you a breakaway now man you're you got the puck you're all by yourself you could make any move you want to make uh, to score a goal. What is, what is that, that last bit of advice or wisdom or insight that you have um, accrued or, or come to in, in your walk with Christ that you'd like to share with the people that are listening? Show up.
2: Show up. It's amazing what God will do when you show up. I mean, we have a lot of perceptions. We think that we've got to, you know, be and do and do all that. And, and, you know, just things, perceptions about that. But just show up and be ready. Mm. Be ready. Be always prepared, you know. Do your Bible studies, um, you know, pray. You know, and and one of the biggest things, I think, is we forget to talk to God. Mm. You know, we sit there like... For me, I get distracted really easily, so it's got to be quiet for me. The, just that you want to make sure um, that you know you, that, you, that you show up and that you do the things and talk to God, ask Him, and say, you know, I remember Jonathan going up the mountain, you know, to fight, you know, against uh, the Philistines, and he's there just to, he and, and his armor bearer, and he asks God, he says, "Should I go up?" and God responds to him, He says, "Yeah." Go up, you know? Maybe it's not an audible voice, but maybe God says, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Okay, you know? Yeah. And he went up and, and he turned the battle mm. because God told him, you yeah. know? Yeah, So uh, And actually, the Philistines were looking down at him and said, what are you doing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so he didn't surprise them, yeah. but he did. He came up and, and he got them running,
1: you know? So... Thank you, Alex. Thanks for taking the time to invest in uh, this podcast. And also just uh, thank you for investing in, in me as a friend. I really appreciate you very much.
2: Yeah, and I appreciate you a lot too, Wayne.
0: This has been another episode of Work is Calling, a ministry of soul priority that coaches women and men of faith How to Transform Their Careers and Workplace Through Biblical Principles. You can find out more at www.soul-priority.org. We hope you join us again next time for another interview of an individual who has discovered Work is Calling.